Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, listeners. During the last two programs, we spoke about the promise of the return of Jesus Christ and the longing for this return. Today we'll devote some time to the signs of his return. Those who have made that blessed hope and expectation their own, those who know themselves rich in God, rich in Jesus Christ, and those who know what kind of world we live in and will be delivered from will also, without a doubt, have an open eye and ear for the signs that point to our Lord and Savior's return. Of course, we have to be very careful of how to approach them and to draw the right conclusions from them. As you know, there are many who become completely enmeshed, if not obsessed, by this part, by the doctrine on the end times, often called eschatology. It was the reason why Paul had to address the Thessalonians, for this topic was just about all they cared to talk about just as there are many today who want to spell out exactly the sequence of future events and in the process run the danger of treating the Bible as a jigsaw puzzle, as if the Lord himself, via his apostles, had not warned against determining the times and dates of his coming return. For we should know that Paul says, and I quote, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, unquote. Obviously, then, we will have to watch for two extremes with these signs, to leave them be, to pay little or no attention to them, perhaps with an attitude of whatever will be, will be, or to let one's whole life, one's whole theology, one's whole relationship to the Lord, to his church, be governed by it. On the basis of Scripture, then, we can observe two preliminary signs preceding our Savior's return. The first sign that tells us of His imminent coming is the moment the gospel of His kingdom has been preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and when that countless multitude will have been gathered from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Concurrent with this time to preach the gospel to all nations is the binding of Satan for a millennium, that is, for a thousand years. The second sign will be the release of Satan to deceive the nations for a short time, to which sign belongs as subheadings the great apostasy, the great desertion from Christ and his church, the great tribulation, the persecution of true believers, the reign of Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, as mentioned in Thessalonians 2, as well as the signs of wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, and the rise of many false prophets. Now, as you'll understand, I will not be able to give more than a brief outline on this rather broad topic. First, then, there is spoken of the preaching of the gospel as a testimony to all nations. The disciples had drawn the Lord's attention to the temple in Jerusalem, to that impressive building complex of this house of worship. But 
Our Savior's response was quite sobering. He says, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. And then the disciples ask him, Tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? It is obvious that to the disciples this fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple would mean the end of the world. However, the Lord Jesus corrects them. He tells them that wars, rumors of wars, famines, and earthquakes are only the beginning of the birth pains. Indeed, they'll be the signs of the fall of Jerusalem, but that fall itself will not be the sign of his coming. The Lord then proceeds to point to two preliminary signs to indicate his return. The preaching of the gospel in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and a fearful time of distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. This tells us then that our Savior will not come back until these two have come to pass. Four comments. First, with respect to the preaching of the gospel to all nations, we realize that it does not imply that the Lord will return only after every person in the world has heard the gospel. But it will have to have been a testimony to all the nations, the acceptance or rejection of which will prove to be decisive. For every day since Pentecost is characterized by now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. Secondly, this reference by the Lord Jesus to all nations is a prelude to what happened after Pentecost. The sending out of the apostles, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, to all the peoples of the earth, which at the same time is then the fulfillment of this promise given to Abraham. All peoples of the earth, we read, will be blessed through you. That is, through Abram's offspring, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, and Jesus. Thirdly, it should be clear that we are rapidly nearing the time that the testimony of Jesus will have reached every nation. And fourthly, that as Christians, we should be fully involved in bringing this gospel age to a close by diligently testifying to the name of Christ at home and abroad. That is also the sole reason, listeners, why we continue to host this regular broadcast to the nations to make our listeners aware of what the future of this world will look like and how we are to behave in it. The important question is, are we Christ followers or are we not? Secondly, there will be the release of Satan to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. This will be the time of the great apostasy. The preaching of the gospel to all nations will be followed by a great apostasy or a falling away from the truth of Scripture. It will be a time during which the faith of the fathers of former generations will be abandoned on a large scale. It will be an apostasy of great proportion, for many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We read about that in the book of Matthew. It will be a time of false security and a time of materialism. It will be as in the days of Noah and Lot, and Lot's wife. 
with an overemphasis on eating, drinking, marrying, and being given into marriage. That is, they are used as ends in themselves, used without any reference to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. During this time, a sharp demarcation line will also be drawn between those who fall away and those who stand firm to the end and those who will be saved. As a result, there will also be a great tribulation. This gospel age, which at the same time is the millennium, the thousand years during which Satan was to be bound, is also to be followed by a period of great tribulation, a period of unparalleled distress. The believers will be grievously persecuted because of that widespread apostasy in those days, because of the very many that will fall away. In fact, if those days would not be cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. How good is it then to know that in the end the wicked will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life? Listeners, these passages of the Bible call for an urgent return to the gospel. It urges all of us to a life of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Yes, without him in our lives, we have no hope, no comfort. Without this, there will be no eternal life awaiting us after Jesus returns for the last time. It is our mandate again to broadcast this truth to our listeners far and near. Our Father in heaven will hear the prayers of those who truly seek him. Be assured of that. Only then will you have peace in your lives, and only then will you have security and a future after this world and all its glory has passed away, because it will pass away. An eternal future awaits all those who have placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be all glory and honor now and forever. The next time, we'll continue and finish this part on the signs of our Savior's return, and then we'll share some closing remarks on what will take place on the actual day of His return. Thanks again for listening. Till next week. <music> 